Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Holmes, and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine. And joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. Hello, everybody. It's Sue here. And today we're talking about probably what the big, what is the biggest issue that humanity has ever faced, I guess, and that's the climate crisis. In particular, we're going to be reflecting on COP27, the uh, UN summit, which was taking place in November and attracted so much publicity. Uh, we're going to be looking at what did it achieve and particularly from an investor point of view, what are the, the outcomes? I'm pleased to say that we've got a great person to talk to us about this today, uh, and it's 91's Graham Baker. Uh, Graham is a portfolio manager in sustainable equities within 91's multi-asset team. He's also the co-portfolio manager for 91's global environment strategy. So Graham, thank you for joining us today. It's great to see you again. Hi, Sue. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show today. I'm looking forward to talking about, as you said, one of the most important topics of our time, and that is decarbonisation. So jumping straight into it then, Sue mentioned in the intro that world leaders gathered in Egypt recently, COP27, to discuss the climate crisis and find ways to accelerate global climate action. Could you talk us through some of the key takeaways which emerged from this year's COP and why they are so important? And in particular, our listeners would be really interested to know what the potential impact will be for investors. Yeah, of course. I think COP27 was really interesting from a transition finance point of view. We saw lots of discussions around directing money towards climate solutions, particularly focused on the emerging markets. And I think this is key because emerging markets are sometimes ignored to some extent when we think about decarbonisation and around allocating capital into these areas. Some of the key points and um, key areas to note were around uh, interesting just energy transition partnerships that were announced. We saw an announcement last year at the previous COP regarding South Africa and support from some global um, leading global economies um, to support help decarbonise the South African economy. But this year we saw an announcement regarding Indonesia and potentially $20 billion of support around decarbonizing in Indonesia, but specifically positive spend towards renewable energy and growth in renewable energy. So I think that's important. And it's a focus around public and private capital getting allocated to support uh, the decarbonization of an economy, to support jobs, and to ultimately see sustainable structural growth in these economies. Maybe another important point to touch on regarding emerging economies is around the announcement of a loss and damage fund. And that's where we we saw um, discussions around providing financial assistance to some of the poorest nations stricken by climate disasters. Now, as of yet, there's no real detail on how this assistance will be structured, but we do think the commitment is a positive step forward. So, yeah, I think it's really all about the emerging markets and all around transition finance this year. Now, 
what is the impact for investors? Well, I touched on potential growth and investment in renewable energy. That's a really quite exciting structural growth opportunity. But maybe we should note that achieving 1.5 degrees warming scenario is already extremely tough. You know, we're already looking at warming of probably about 1.1 degrees Celsius. And the last eight years, um, have been the warmest on record. So we all know the, the data and the details behind that. But ultimately, we are seeing positive growth and spend in decarbonisation areas such as renewable energy, so much so that 86% of new installed energy capacity over 2021 and 2022 was in renewable energy. So we are starting and have been seeing moves in the right direction. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, that's a good fit. Well, 86%, that, that's a pleasant surprise, that, I must say. Um, but Graham, there's obviously so much money that is needed to be spent to prevent, a, to, to try and limit the climate disaster, which is happening before our eyes. But there must be a huge opportunity for investors to benefit from the structural growth opportunities that you've just been talking about there. And I wondered if you could talk to that sort of long-term decarbonisation investment opportunity and, and why you think it's so important now. Yeah, of course. And you know, we are really excited about this structural growth opportunity. Obviously, the risks that come with climate change are arguably the biggest long-term risks we face as a planet and as a global economy. And currently, we're seeing probably approximately $700 billion of annual climate finance being spent, uh, you know, capital being allocated to these areas. But if we are to get to a 1.5 degrees warming scenario or a net zero aligned world, those numbers need to be significantly higher. And looking at a number of research papers and consultants work, we need to probably see $4 trillion, maybe five, maybe even $6 trillion being spent per annum by 2030. And that is why we are extremely excited by this structural growth opportunity. We expect to see a significant increase in capital being allocated towards these areas. And when we look around the investment opportunities, we're not only looking at renewable energy and the entire value chain, we're looking at um, resource and energy efficiency opportunities, but also the electrification of our entire global system. So we see very strong structural growth opportunities there. One of the key drivers of decarbonisation is a change in consumer behaviour. It really is positive to see an increasing understanding and willingness amongst the UK population to prioritise carbon reduction in our daily lives. I mean, so many of us really are trying to do our bit. What would you say to those who are keen to invest with an environmentally focused mindset, but are a bit concerned that this may negatively impact their financial returns? Yeah, I think that's a great question and something that we've been asked before. But one of the key points to touch on is what has happened to the costs of many of these technologies that we're looking at and the relative economics. Now, first of all, the cost of renewable energy, for example, and the cost of lithium ion batteries have fallen significantly over the last 10 years. If we look back at you know, the cost of solar, it really has fallen by about 90% over that time period. The same 90% is really what we've seen in the reduction in cost of lithium ion batteries, wind technology and the cost of wind has fallen closer to 60% over that period. But we've seen this huge shift in costs and economics. And what's really interesting at this moment in time, when we're looking at energy security, 
the relative economics of renewable energy has actually improved versus fossil fuel based power, for example, fossil fuel based energy. Um, To take an example, if we look at the levelized cost of electricity during this quite tough inflationary environment that we're all living through, we've probably seen an increase in the levelized cost of electricity or the levelized cost of energy of these technologies. Wind and solar, for example, is probably increased by about 15% on average. When we look at the increase in the cost of hydrocarbons and fossil fuel-based power sources, they have gone up many multiples more. So actually, the relative economics continue to improve. And we are finding businesses that make strong, positive returns on capital and are profitable. And of course, are supported by a really exciting long-term structural growth opportunity. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the characteristics of the companies that you wish to invest in and do invest in and how you differentiate what could be a winner from a potential loser. Yeah, of course. And one of the key things that we look for right at the beginning of our investment process is what we call positive carbon avoided. So effectively looking for businesses that are helping to avoid carbon, helping to save carbon, effectively helping to decarbonize the planet. And we are doing that because we, as I said before, we believe that is a really exciting structural growth opportunity. But there are some other key philosophical characteristics we're looking for from these businesses. So the first, as I touched on, is structural growth leveraged to decarbonization. We're also looking for very strong competitive advantages, businesses with strong moats, businesses are the real leaders in what they do. And we believe if we can find businesses with strong moats, they should be able to generate strong returns on capital relative to their peers and relative to their cost of capital. So ultimately, we're looking for structural growth, competitive advantages, and sustainable returns on capital. And of course, we are looking across sustainable equities and across um, externalities that exist within natural capital, human capital and social capital. And if we see any material issues across any of those areas, we just won't invest in a business. So I I guess in a way, has the the energy crisis then, has that sort of been more of a deterrent to using fossil fuels? So does that play into the sustainability, Mm. you think? I, I would say there is a chance this is going to accelerate the transition towards mm-hmm. a decarbonized future. Um, mm-hmm. As we know, Europe is now trying to move aggressively away from consuming mm-hmm. natural gas, um, yeah. of course, given the war in Ukraine. So with the point around relative economics, but also the point around security of energy now being at the top of everyone's list, yeah. countries will be trying to accelerate this transition. And we've seen huge announcements um, from the US with the Inflation Reduction Act, spending hundreds of billions of dollars going into subsidizing uh, many of the key areas we look at across renewables, energy efficiency and electrification. So my next question for you, Graham, is on company engagement. How much of a focus do you put on this 
And also, how important do you think it is for fund managers to really hold companies to account when it comes to sustainability? We think it's highly important. Um, We engage with every company that we invest in. Um, We produce something on an annual basis called our impact report. And within that impact report, we give two pages on every single company we invest in. We give the structural growth, sustainable returns and competitive advantage explanation business case. We talk about sustainability. We give a lot of detail around carbon emission trends and carbon avoided trends. But importantly, we also talk about every single engagement target and goal we have for each company we're investing in and how those engagements are going so we believe in full transparency especially when we're investing in the sort of area we're investing in Um, so for us it is an extremely important part of the investment process engaging with companies working with them to improve whether it's their sustainability reporting or whether it's their treatment of human capital or how they deal with the environment around them from a natural capital point of view we believe these are extremely important areas to engage with companies and ultimately we believe over the long term the market will price sustainability related externalities more accurately and that is something we are focusing on as a team and that is really a philosophical driver for our team but it is highly important to work with these businesses to try to move forward across many key sustainability topics and it's right at the top of our agenda and it feeds back into our investment process not only trying to push the businesses we're investing in to continuously improve but also to help us understand the businesses we're investing in better Mm. That's, that's good to hear, because I know a lot of advisors are, um, can you, could we call it sort of ES, have a bit of ESG fatigue, you know, say, oh, mm. it's all greenwashing and da 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 But th- it, this is a no-brainer, isn't it? We just have to align behind the sustainable future and, and the kinds of impacts that you've described there and, and the, the drilling down in the detail that you go to can, must be able to assuage those concerns, do you think? Yeah, I, I think that is key. It's it's about being fully transparent and about trying mm. to explain why we think this is an exciting alpha opportunity. And it all comes back to mm. linkage to that structural growth opportunity, long-term decarbonization growth opportunity. And then when we talk about externalities, trying to understand how positive and negative externalities can impact the long-term intrinsic value of a business. Now, ultimately, we do think some of these key areas of sustainability will have an impact to growth, but also to margins, costs and returns on capital for a business over the very long term. And as I said, ultimately, that will impact intrinsic value of a business over the long term. Gosh, Graham, this this the conversation has gone uh, racing by and it brings <laughs> me to, my, to our last question today now, which is something we ask all our podcasts. something we ask all our podcast guests which is that if you were to have the power to change one thing in financial services and it can only be one thing I know there's probably a few more than that uh, what would that thing be well that's a great question and I know I'm only allowed to say one thing but I think (laughs) they're all related and ultimately we believe in long-term investing 
know, there's a lot of short termism mm -hmm. out there in the in the market at the moment. And we believe you should be investing in businesses, great businesses for the long term with a focused ownership mindset. And ultimately, as I touched on earlier, we do believe the market over the long term will price sustainability related externalities more accurately. And I suppose we hope this will accelerate. We hope the market will price these externalities faster because ultimately will get us to a more sustainable future and planet and global economy. And for us, we think it will generate significant alpha. Graham, thank you very much for being our guest today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And gosh, some of those figures you mentioned there, that $6 trillion a year mm. by 2030 needing to be spent. It's an eye-watering amount. And I love that you're excited by the opportunities that you're seeing. I totally agree that transparency is key. And if we can overcome this talk of greenwashing and any negativity that people have by just showing the facts and what these businesses are doing, then that has to be the way forward, doesn't it? So thank you for today. No, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, thanks a lot for having me on the show. It's been great. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.